Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Father soul. Like it, Ben. Like it. What a day we got for you here on uh, not only the number one sports show and uh, station in uh, the Pirate Nation, but uh, number one show. Five o'clock. We are uh, in a little bit going to welcome in Rich Hooten. Rich is one of the gym owners in North Carolina. Of course, he's here in Greenville. Has been for a couple decades now. But uh, Rich is involved uh, in that lawsuit that was filed yesterday against our guy, Wimpy, Governor uh, Cooper, about reopening gyms in North Carolina. And meantime, there's some developments uh, as far as bars and, and expanded, expanded restaurant uh, seating being opened. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit here. Uh, also, our pal Brian LeBlanc from Canes Country is going to be with us. NHL. Uh, Going to get back to things here. Carolina Hurricanes uh, voted against that. So we'll find out everything uh, from that standpoint. We need to know from our pal Brian LeBlanc coming up uh, a little bit later on. There are also a ton of other things uh, to get here to uh, get to here today. Let me give a birthday shout out. Uh, not to you, Ben Byram. It's not your birthday. I hope you're well, though, our producer of the show. Uh, but uh, Ben, a, a birthday shout out to our guy, our friend, our colleague. A living legend. There's a lot of people who proclaim to be living legends. There's a lot of people out there who, uh, you know, we toss around the legend moniker. But there is a true living legend in our midst here in Greenville. And it is our pal, Ronald Vincent, the legendary RV, the winningest baseball coach in the history of North Carolina baseball in this state. Ronald Vincent. So happy birthday to RV today. Ben, would you like to join me in, in wishing our pal RV a happy birthday? Woo! I like it. I like it. Living legend. No, he is. He, he truly is. He uh, absolutely is. So, boy, Ben, I tell you, lots of places to start here today. There's a lot of issues with baseball, a lot of football questions going around. We got the Hurricanes. Zoom and Jordan Stahl talking about this. We, we may work that in before we get to LeBlanc here. Uh, the NBA trying to come back. Uh, I think um, Rich Eisen had, who did he have on today, Ben? Jim Harbaugh. 
That's right. He had Jim Harbaugh on today. Michigan coach. You know, we had Eric Backich on yesterday. Thank you all. Uh, great response to us having Cliff Godwin and Eric Backich on at the same time. And I hope those guys will do that again. I thought that was great. I mean, we just like scratched the surface barely. You know what I mean? It was, it was, I think it. Go ahead. It was much needed insight onto their uh, their proposal and uh, getting the word out there. And I, I think it was uh, quite frank, frankly, it was, it's a great plan for college baseball. I tell you what, I, I it kind of sparks the idea of, you know, maybe having Joe on with somebody who's a contemporary that he knows. You know what I mean? Joe Dooley, I speak of. Bill Self. Yeah, Bill Self. I mean, really. Um, you know, and, and Mike, you, I, I see, I think that's kind of a fun thing and it's fun. Uh, that was fun for Cliff yesterday. And they're a little bit looser, you know, they're, they're a little bit yeah, more absolutely. outgoing. Yeah. I'm not saying you're going to do that in the middle of the season, but I mean, at this time of year, I think it's, it's a good idea or in their off season to do that. So I will, we'll take that under advisement. It's interesting to see the coaches a little bit more in their natural state, to see them a little bit more laid back and who they really are instead of the, the, uh, you know, the hard going coaches that we see during well, the season. You know, and I've known Cliff. Cliff and I have known each other since we were 15. And, uh, you know, and I, I have the, all the respect in the world for him. I really do. Uh, and, and Eric, you know, I remember Eric when he was here and, and no Eric. I mean, it was just great to have those guys on. And, you know, I think they felt comfortable yesterday. Uh, at least that was my perception of it. Anyway, uh, we had Eric back at John and he, he kind of spoke to the situation the Michigan president talking about if there aren't students on campus, we're not going to have football. And that's been consistent. I mean, that's something that Dr. Ron Mitchelson said, it's been consistent with the messaging all across the country from other major universities uh, you know, that play football, I guess, just because Michigan kind of said it and you know, the big house and, and what have you future pirate opponent, by the way, the Michigan Wolverines uh, that has, you know, maybe had a little more weight with people. Cause I had a lot of people, Ask me, you know, are they going to have football in Michigan? They were, they were saying they were, well, what, what the university president said essentially was if there aren't students, there aren't, there's not going to be football. And again, that's consistent with what you've heard from other colleges and universities across the fruited plain. Michigan has had dr dr uh, draconian restrictions against their people. I mean, people think it's bad here in North Carolina. It's, it's horrible in Michigan, beyond horrible in Michigan. And so that, uh, that, that's one reason why I guess there's a little bit of reportage on that. And it, it may be a deal too, where, you know, the Michigan president's trying to, to move the governor up there along a little bit. Anyway, do we have the entire cut or do you have part of the cut, Ben? What do we have here? Cause I know we were getting that audio situated right before we came on. Okay. Well, let's start there. This is, uh, Rich Eisen basically asking about the start of football, and then he has a follow-up, which you'll hear in here, and then there's a key date mentioned at the end of the answer. So hit that, Ben, and that's where we'll start today as far as uh, the return of uh, sports and the re return to, to things of normality in the sports world. There's a lot of people with a lot of opinions right now, that's for sure. Yes. Um, you know, I think you see the NFL with the um, uh, commissioner, one person probably making that decision, you know, getting a lot of, getting a lot of advice, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, college football, there's, there's, there's more involved, multiple commissioners, school presidents, boards of regents. Uh, but, uh, you know, I know, I know players and players on our team all want to play and, uh, you know, hoping for, 
better news as as the weeks goes go on. And um, but uh, revved up, you know, motors revved up with wanting somewhere to go. Okay, so uh, I, I misunderstood Ben there as far as the follow-up question. We don't have that part of it from Rich Eisen's uh, interview with Harbaugh, but he essentially asked about you know the process of coaches, ads within the Big Ten talking with one another to make this decision with the uh, league commissioner, uh, and this was what Jim Harbaugh had to say about that. And this is where he gives kind of an important date as far as what Michigan and the Big Ten are looking at. Oh yeah, we would, uh, we talk. We do a weekly call with all the Big Ten head coaches and athletic directors, and uh, Kevin Warren, our commissioner, and Mark Redner, lots of lots of folks, and we have we have doctors on that call. So uh, you get uh, you get updates. So you know you know what the NCAA is is saying that um, voluntary workouts can, be, can begin June first. Looks like mandatory uh, will be July first. Um, June first for voluntary. Um, so that's that's kind of what we're we're at. So Monday is June first, and if the states are open and they're <laughs> and they're not sheltering in place still, then then um, then the football players, athletes can come back to campus on a voluntary basis and, and do workouts. So uh, July first is saying right now looks like the mandatory date. With uh, June first being the date that people will be trickling in and beginning their voluntary workouts. Now uh, today, over on the uh, the Fine Bomb uh, program, uh, future uh, Pirate opponent South Carolina and their coach Will Muschamp talked about to Fine Bomb the process of coming back in for college uh, football in those June 1st workouts. And as their athletes come in for, for football, of course, they've got a 20,000 square foot uh, weight room, which is nice. But they're going to essentially be working out in groups of four, and it'll be staggered and all that. So, uh, again, this sort of – this shows me that we're probably starting – and I've been consistent this whole time. I felt like we were going to play football. I think a lot of the panic over things that are being canceled, uh, like Wimbledon, like the Olympics. I mean, you're talking foreign soil, international fan bases, international athletes. That's a lot harder to get your arms around, you know, than, than an individual football team, which is no day at the picnic or day at the park, excuse me, no picnic trying to control uh, and, and kind of keep corralled that group of people. Uh, they also talked about in the in one of those interviews essentially how they were going to test everyone before they came back onto campus all the all the athletes and i'm sure similar measures are in place uh here in greenville so uh i take that as a good sign uh phil Steele also today our good friend tweeting out that it will not be the beginning of june when his magazine goes out but rather in july which means instead of for like a july 4th release of the phil Steele magazine uh, Phil, who's still talking to football coaches right now, will be releasing it in late July. So there you go. Some signs that things around the corner could be uh, coming. Uh, the NBA has talked about uh, coming back. Discussion still happening is how that would resume. Uh, this is Mark Cuban on CBS Sports Network uh, talking about the resumption of the NBA season.
What I've proposed is, is very simple. We play five to seven more regular season games because you can't just throw guys into the playoffs. It's just physically too tough. You know, it's just you've you got to get them, you know, into the groove of playing the games. Um, you also, once you set the number of games you're going to play, then what I propose is that we take the top ten seeds in each conference. And with five to seven more games, that means every team in the Eastern Conference, even the lowest um, seeded team right now, has a chance to make the playoffs because they're fewer than five games behind. Once you have those two top tens from the two conferences, you combine them together, seed one through 20, then you have a one-time playoff game like you do in the NCAA. Wow. Where 20 plays 17, 19 plays 18. Yeah, the winners of those play a series against the 15th and 16th seeded teams. And the first two seeds get a buy, and then you play it out. The economics for the NBA is that there's a lot of local TV money. Yeah. And we've got to get up to a certain number of games for, those, for all local teams to, be, all teams to be able to do that with their local broadcast partners. Yep. And so yep. we want to have some interest from all those teams, or as many of them as possible. So having 28 out of 30 teams either in the playoffs or having a good chance to make it creates that interest. Then you have the one-game playoff, which creates more interest. And then you get into the playoffs, and who knows what will happen. So uh, I, I like what Mark Cuban was saying there. That's well thought out. He's on the president's uh, committee to return sports. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, NHL, we'll get some of that with uh, Brian LeBlanc from Kane's Country in our second half hour. Uh, quickly here, a couple of baseball notes, and, and, and I don't want to give the baseball overall the short shrift, but as far as the minor leagues go, uh, many players today were cut. Uh, and... Uh, Hundreds more expected to be released over the next week. So it's looking like that about a thousand minor league players uh, could essentially see their careers ending. Uh, minor leaguers have been paying, being paid roughly about $400 a week. Uh, so this is uh, ESPN reporting this. We can get into this a little more maybe at the back end of the show. Uh, I'm anxious to see. Uh, you know, I, I was not terribly optimistic when we talked to uh, Wade Howell with the uh, Wood Ducks earlier uh, a few weeks ago that the season would, would get going. Uh, but then Major League Baseball kind of came around because it was all contingent on that. And then Major League Baseball decided uh, that, and, and let's face it, I mean, it's easy to call the players greedy, but I mean, they're, both sides are, are terribly wrong in this whole thing. Uh, the players are not to, to give them a free pass on this that like some of the sports media are doing is is irresponsible just to blame it on mean old ownership but also the owners to to not you know be coming off a year where they had a record amount of revenue collectively and you know then to talk about contracting minor league baseball cutting the fat there and then we see what happens it's just not a good look all the way around and that's what also, in my opinion, makes the proposal that Backitch and Godwin talked about on here yesterday that much more appealing because right now baseball and minor league baseball are going to be in complete shambles, it appears. And if you've backed up that season for college baseball in more traditional warm weather months, that could be a way to grow that sport and for that sport to be attended by more people. Uh, in the case of Clark LeClaire, they serve beer now. It's almost like a minor league type of experience in some ways more fun so uh, you know i think that's a that, that there's a lot of things trending here where it could if, if people at the ncaa level are thinking clear-headed boy this could be a real boon for college baseball it really could be 
because I, I I'm just beginning to wonder, you know, how many minor league teams we're really going to have, and you know how how Major League Baseball could be really uh, damaging itself in a lot of ways. Okay, uh, a lot of things announced today out of Raleigh. Uh, one of the things announced yesterday: the lawsuit by uh, health club owners, gym owners, workout facility owners. They have united. And they have filed suit against the Cooper administration to allow them to open. They were set to open in phase one, excuse me, in phase two. But the governor kind of left them at the altar. Reworked things at the last minute. Uh, Rich Hooten, who is a a gym owner here locally in Greenville, is uh, one of the plaintiffs in that suit against the governor. We're going to talk to him about that when we return here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Another effort to reopen uh, businesses in the state, but uh, especially Eastern businesses. Uh, and Rich is one of those business owners. We'll have his story and what's going on there for you next. You can now listen to 94.3 The Game anywhere, anytime. That's a bold statement. Listen to us on your smart speaker. Simply ask Alexa or Google to stream WRHD and connect with us at home, work, or anywhere. We're on TuneIn Radio at 94.3 The Game. So take us anywhere you go. Here we go. We're back. Back to the P-Man. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Uh, have been following everything going on with uh, reopening the East and, and reopening all businesses uh, in the East and across North Carolina, but especially uh, in Pitt County and Eastern Carolina. Rich Hooten uh, joins us now. Body Sculptors is a gym he owns uh, here in Greenville, and uh, he and some others have been uh, key in uh, rallying gym owners uh, to uh, to lead this lawsuit that was filed yesterday to get the governor to... Uh, in the vein of churches, in the vein of some other businesses that were going to sue prior to phase two, uh, to, to be able to open and uh, and to make a living, but also provide you know a needed outlet for people not only in their health, their mental health, the whole nine yards. Uh, Rich Hooten, who's been uh, all over media here, uh, it seems like he's been good enough to give us a few minutes on the phone this afternoon. Hey, Rich, thank you for coming on with us. Really appreciate it. You bet, Patrick. I appreciate you having me on here. So the lawsuit filed yesterday, is it similar to, to what the hairdressers and barbers were going to file? Uh, does it resemble anything with the church? You know, there, there's a little different deal with the churches, constitutionally speaking, but there's also the pursuit of, of being able to make a living, which I'm sure this would cover. Um, as far as, 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 you know, where this lawsuit lines up and what it's looking for specifically, could you comment on that a little bit for us? Sure. We, we actually were contacted uh, uh, by the, the person that started the hair salons and barbershops and, th- and their suit and their attorney, uh, Chuck Kitchen. He's a constitutional lawyer because, you know, all, all of the health clubs and personal training studios, dojos, indoor exercise outfits were all ready to open up with phase two. And, and when that didn't happen, um, the health and fitness industry started mobilizing. And once we did that, uh, we are actually 
fire. We filed a temporary restraining order Tuesday at one o'clock in Wake Superior Court. Uh, it 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 basically is the same thing as the hair salons and barbershops. We're contesting the constitutionality uh, of his order with uh, regard to to in violation of our inalienable rights, especially the work and and to enjoy the fruits of our labor you know i i what's really frustrating about this uh you know greg lester's a good friend i'm sure you know greg uh ed smith you and i were talking about him before we went on the air i'm sure you did this as well with your gym body sculptors a lot of the uh gyms and the other type of businesses you mentioned went to great expense to be compliant with phase two uh, only to be kind of uh, left out to dry. So not only have you all lost your uh, in, you know, income and your employees have lost their uh, income as far as uh, you know, this time period where things were closed, but this has continued now into almost a, another week because for whatever reason, uh, they decided not to, uh, to open gyms and, and, and workout facilities. So I mean, this, this has to be uh, doubly frustrating, I have to imagine. It sure is. You know, the, the the terrible part about this is you're talking about gyms and fitness centers that some of them didn't get any SBA loan. They were ineligible for the unemployment, which that's a disaster in the state. Yes. And, and, you know, weren't afforded the PPP. And, and so these clubs went out and spent thousands of dollars on hospital germicidals. And, and, and we've been stockpiling that all along you know, in, in anticipation of opening up. And so, so you start talking about a, a, you know, financially stretched thin, and then we're going out and spending hundreds of dollars scouring the planet for, you know, even Clorox wipes or anything else. And then to be, to be basically said, you're too dangerous. Your place, you know, is labeled the worst of the worst and we'll see you in another month. And, and you know, you, you've got folks that have no other choice but to open up and commit civil disobedience, which is going on all over the state. And now you're tying down local law enforcement. You know, they're having to visit these places because people are complaining that the worst of the worst is open. And it's making for a big mess. And we're just idly sitting by watching the world go around us in bars. Now, outdoor bars, you know, the Senate just passed. And that's, you know, being looked at. And and nail salons are open, and all these places are open, but, you know, gyms are not. And we're just standing around scratching our heads and, and just got fed up with it. And, and so that, that economic loss is just, you know, doubling down on, on not being able to make a living and, and now spending, you know, what little dimes and quarters we have left, you know, to make sure our clients are safe. Because I tell you what, if you take a look at how much the Insta Read thermometer costs, yeah. You know, you're not talking about $10. You're, you're talking about, you know, in fact, uh, we're making sure we're going to have one for our clients. Uh, we purchased one today that was $162. Wow. You know, so it's uh, it, it's crazy. Uh, gyms originally were scheduled to reopen in phase two of the state's phased-in COVID-19 reopening plan. Uh, last week, the modified version of that plan did not include uh, gyms and, and similar facilities. Uh, that provide uh, training or uh, exercise opportunities for folks. Uh, so now the lawsuit has been filed. One of the plaintiffs is the owner of Body Sculptors here in Greenville. It's Rich Hooten who's on the uh, phone with us. Rich, how soon do you expect to get some kind of reaction uh, from from a judge on this or from the governor on this? 
Well, the, the first thing uh, uh, the attorney uh, Chuck Kitchen said was that uh, along with filing, then the clerk would have to set the court date. Once the court date is set, the governor has 10 days to answer, similar to the, the hair salon and barbershop suit. Uh, you know, and, and, and of course, he, what what most folks outside of Greenville and Pitt County, unless they pay attention to national news, the governor got hit with a few temporary restraining orders yesterday. Mm-hmm. The axe-throwing uh, 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 group filed theirs. He had another guy file his. And so we hear some rumblings of, of a couple other things. And, and funny enough, uh, rumblings from some gentlemen's clubs yeah, right. that, are, that, are, that are talking about filing restraining order. But, you know, the 10 days that he has to answer is, is you know, it's contrary to what he, he actually starts saying on the radio and his press conferences. And, you know, it's a big mess, especially when, you know, you're talking about people's financial stakes and, and their lives, basically. You know, there's a lot that has been talked about in this. Uh, uh, Representative Murphy, Dr. Murphy, uh, has talked a lot about this. Uh, Perrin Jones has talked, uh, really a lot of people, that uh, the medical toll on human beings beyond the COVID-19 sickness itself. And, 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 you know, certainly if you're in an immunocompromised situation and get this or you're in that risk group, it could be devastating. But there are other ailments, other diseases uh, that are more prevalent. And by people not perhaps exercising like they should, there's also the mental health aspect of, of people getting uh, to a gym, even if it's just getting on a treadmill. And, you know, I, I don't think you can, can – we're not going to know that toll for a, a number of months, maybe years, but it could be devastating uh, for, for parts of the population that, that need your facilities and others as, as a way to improve their health, both physically and mentally. Oh, absolutely, Patrick. What – what we're seeing is a deterioration of sorts. You know, that's why it's known as a health and fitness industry, not just the fitness industry. You cannot divorce mental and emotional health, you know, and, and that's the problem. And, and so we're seeing, you know, this all over. We're having clients and members contacting us, frustrated, falling into bad habits. We, we you know, funny that you say, you know, the representatives and the congressmen, and, and we have the support. We have spoken with, you know, these folks, we talked to Representative Keith Kidwell. I've talked to the mayor. I've talked to, to the county commissioner, Lauren White. I mean, these are people that we talked to within the community and voiced our concerns, and they are just as frustrated as we are. Yeah. You know, that that's the problem is, is we're really, really, really on the brink of a disaster of sorts when it comes to the population and residents of North Carolina. Most people, Patrick, don't know that that. Uh, fitness and health clubs in North Carolina have over 2 million members. You're talking about the one-fifth of, of North Carolina's population yeah. almost yeah. that go to a yoga studio or Pilates or they do dance or they go to a dojo. And, and, and I mean, the, the demographic of health and fitness is far-reaching and, and the detrimental effects, like you said, I mean, Patrick, I, I'm, I'm terrified to see what's going to happen in the coming months. I mean, it to get a client and to get a member in the habit of working out, we always say it takes 14 to 21 days. Well, you know, we've, we've all been off for two months, and then you start talking about 
you know, you're starting to talk about late summer. Well, who wants to work out when it's time to go to the beach and enjoy the summer and so on and so forth? And then you got it's just a big snowball in effect. And, 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 and I, I'm fearful. And, and think fearful. about Rich, not interrupt you, but think about how many people are going to come back with that boost of adrenaline. And, and you know, maybe they get in there and they're not with their trainer. They're fired up. They overexert themselves. But you can really hurt yourself that way. It just, you know, and again, these seem like crazy examples, but I think they're real world examples of, of what could happen. Patrick, yeah, yeah, Patrick, that's a very, very, very good example. We have had to talk to our clients about these at-home workouts they're doing. People are doing exercises that they shouldn't be doing. They're hurting themselves. You know, the, trying to maintain a level of, of balance when it comes to the exertion that you did when you're starting back up is, is what gets people injured. And we're already seeing that. You know, we're seeing at home workouts, and, and you know, it's going to be exacerbated once, like you said, we start back up. I mean, this is a that is a very good point continuously because it does happen. We've got a, a tremendous amount. What you know? Yeah, we we've got Rich Hooten here, um, body sculptors in uh, Greenville. He's one of the plaintiffs in this uh, lawsuit yesterday filed against uh, the Cooper administration to reopen gyms and uh, health clubs in uh, the state of North Carolina. And particularly in the East, they, they I think it, it makes sense to open uh, totally, as it does a lot of businesses. Uh, and it has a lot of businesses for a long time. Mandy Cohen has cited the fact that uh, due to perspiration and proximity, that COVID-19 would be transmissible in a a facility such as yours yet dr fauci said there's no science behind uh you know perspiration uh in any way transmitting the virus so we we hear follow the we hear we hear follow the science all the time and we've got the guy who's who's held up as the expert on this contradicting the woman right now quite frankly that's making all the decisions across the state you know Dr. Cohen, and I've written her office and tried to get some clarification of the mistakes that she has talked about. Let's start back, Patrick, when the essential, non-essential designation started with the North Carolina Department of Revenue for places like mine. In one of her press conferences, she didn't even know that existed. So you're talking about that mistake. Then you started talking about her saying that sweat was a transmission entity for the virus. And then... You know, she presumptively said, well, you're not going to wear a mask in a gym. I mean, this woman has made three mistakes or two mistakes and, and one uh, uh, a statement right, straight out of conjecture that that gym people and, and members and owners are, are not going to enforce any guideline in place. I mean, that's when really we started to mobilize when we were like, hey, we've done our part. We stayed closed. You know, we didn't overwhelm the hospitals. And then all of a sudden. You know, the, the music stopped and we don't have a chair to sit down on. And, and this, our, our futures are being, you know, decided upon with somebody who's contradicting, you know, they've been contradicting studies from Dr. Fauci. She's making mistakes. I mean, th- this is really, really, really upsetting to us, you know, especially not even be given a chance. I mean, it, it, it's something. I, I, and this is a statement that, that I really want to make, Patrick, because I think that people out there need to hear this. Never in the history of the United States have we ever quarantined the healthy? It's a, it's a very good point. And uh, in order for the healthy to remain that way, a lot of them want to get back out there. You know, and I think a lot of people have started uh, with time at home 
slowing down from their day-to-day activities and, and maybe starting just something as simple as walking and maybe would be interested in, you know, getting into a health club or a gym and, and you know, starting to improve their health. So uh, let's hope that's one of the benefits that, that comes out of this, and let's hope that you're able to get Absolutely. things back open uh, soon. We'll be following it, Rich. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate the time here this afternoon. Patrick, we appreciate you, you calling and, and, and excuse me, us talking to you. And uh, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Uh, Rich Hooten there. Uh, local uh, gym owner's been there 23 years, and he's a guy who has uh, been one of those in the state who has uh, rallied other uh, similar health club openers, uh, owners, excuse me, and uh, they have uh, uh, put this lawsuit together. We'll keep an eye on it. All right, Ben Byram, uh, ahead of Brian LeBlanc here. Uh, we'll go to break after uh, Ben's update, uh, including some uh, some bad news. The East-West All-Star game uh, got nixed today. We had a lot of local kids participating on those rosters and uh, a longtime coach that was going to coach his final game. Uh, but it will not happen in July this year. Here's Ben. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barham here for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. The North Carolina Coaches Association has canceled the 2020 All-Star Games and the annual Coaches Clinic scheduled in July. The NCAA Board of Directors voted unanimously to cancel the games due to the coronavirus pandemic, but they plan to return next year. Local talents that were set to participate on the East basketball team were Farmers Justin Wright and Samaje Teal. First flight Dylan Blake was recently recruited to ECU as a walk-on, and on the East football team, Storm James from Rose, Georgia Ayino from South Central, Michael Webb from Aiden Grifton, and Jake Locklear from Conley. Former Aiden Grifton Chargers coach Paul Cornwell was set to lead the East football team in his final game. After 15 years and 132 victories at Aiden Grifton, Cornwell resigned in February and accepted an administrative position at Farmville Central. This was going to be Cornwell's second time on the coaching staff for the East-West game. In 2016, he was an assistant. Stefano Migliorati was one of the most decorated distant runners in East Carolina track and field and cross-country program history. He has signed a professional contract with New Balance. Stefano, a native of Italy, competed for the Pirates from 2015 to 2018 and says he has his eyes set on the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. The NCAA Division I Council Coordination Committee once again extended the crude and dead period in all sports now through July 31st. The committee has previously extended the dead period to June 30th due to the coronavirus pandemic. The extension of the dead period means no official visits for football and no evaluation period for basketball. And tonight, NASCAR looks to give it another go in the Alsco Uniforms 500 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The race is set to start tonight at 7 with the current stand showing teammates William Byron and Alex Bowman starting from the pole. If you're 94 through the game sports update, I'm Ben Byron-Moore from Patrick Johnson with Brian LeBlanc from Kane's Country after this quick timeout. Back to the show. It's all coming back. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Um, you know, I'm feeling really confident about our team and, and what we can do. And, um, you know, it's 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 going to be an interesting start to this. And, and, and hopefully we get off to a very start as you and a half do. And, but, um, you know, you guys know better than anyone. Um, Roddy's going to do a great job of preparing for it and uh, making sure everyone's ready. And, uh, you know, we, we got a pretty solid group. That's the captain of your Carolina Hurricanes, Jordan Stahl, via a Zoom presser. His thoughts on the Canes matchup in the first round of this expanded NHL playoff against uh, the Islanders. Uh, we've got 
Brian LeBlanc. Is it Islanders or Rangers, LeBlanc? Rangers. Thanks for paying attention. Well, I saw Islanders yesterday, and and then it, Ben put Rangers here in front of me, and I thought, well, Ben possibly ben can't doing. be right. I'm always no, right. Ben, ben, Ben's the smart one, clearly. <laughs> well, that's it's a low bar to clear, Brian. You know it's what? A low bar what's to clear. First rule, what's the first rule of radio? Never tick off your producer, right? <laughs> well, Let's try, we, I'm looking out for your own good. A little inside well, baseball there for you. We crumpled that uh, rule. A long time ago. <laughs> a long, yeah, a long time ago. I think ago. we mistook it for chew them up and spit them out, right? Well, perhaps. Canescountry.com uh, <laughs> is the blog. They're uh, covering the Carolina Hurricanes and the NHL like no one else. And Brian LeBlanc, a uh, friend of the show, is the man who uh, operates that. All right, Brian, let me ask you something here. Yeah. Why, did the Car- why did the Carolina Hurricanes collectively vote against? You like that, don't you? against well done. this you uh, organi- if you could have worked organization in there as well you'd have really right. you'd have been why did the carolina hurricanes organization vote against this uh plan by the nhl well i mean just to look at it from a cynical perspective it does them no good and i can understand why they might feel a little bit pissed, um you know missed that they played the majority of their season, the vast majority of their season, and their reward is not even technically making the playoffs yet, um, because this is, the NHL is calling this the preliminary round of the playoffs, different from the first round of the playoffs, which will be contested by the teams that win this round. Makes sense, right? Makes Do you like sense. this format, though? I, I See, to me, I, mean, I think this is, this to me is a really good format. It, it There's interest you know, cities now kind of uh, get behind because it's because, postseason uh, hockey. There's interest. Yeah, that's one reason. And there's interest because it's a concrete plan for watching live sports in the United States more than anything. <laughs> and Canada, um, for that matter. And Canada, yes, also true. Now, the, you know, again, the cynic in me looks at 24 and looks at the teams. Oh, Chicago got in. Oh, Montreal got in. Well, there's a reason why they went to 24. Um, <laughs> I, I, I tend to agree with them. I tend to agree with the Hurricanes, and Rod Brindamore was on a podcast on ESPN yesterday talking about exactly this. Uh, they're just throwing out the results of, 60, of 68 games that they've played. And now, I mean, aside from the fact that they haven't beaten the Rangers all year, that's its own set of issues, but they also hadn't beaten the Caps last year, and we saw what happened there. So I'm not, you know, that's just me. That's just the fan side of me looking for something to complain about. But, you know... Good, good on the NHL for coming up with this plan. It wasn't easy, and it's still not going to be easy, but the it kind of seems like the barriers are slowly starting to fall, and as long as they can get this in without any major outbreak, uh, they announced today that the uh, next step in the reopening will happen sometime in mid-July, which would be the opening of quote-unquote training camp, uh, which would kind of lead you to think that they probably are going to start the game sometime around the end of July, beginning of August, and then have everything done in maybe the beginning of October. So, you know what? Good for them. Good for them for coming up with a plan for one that seems reasonable. It seems like they really thought this through. There's a 30-page document about all the different protocols they have to go through. This wasn't just cooked up overnight, and I think they deserve some credit for, you know, actually putting their heads together and coming up with something that's workable. Kane's Country. 
blogger, Brian LeBlanc, uh, joins us, canescountry.com. Uh, so what does this do to the start of the next NHL season? Uh, who knows? I mean, it's going to start at some point. They seem insistent on wanting to play 82 games, but that kind of went by the wayside here. They're not playing 82 games this season, so I don't really see where that would be a deal-breaker for next season. Um, the, the, you know, wrap it up with a bow tie in me says that they could probably just start next season uh, with the Winter Classic on January 1st, and maybe they play into July or August again. But again, like we've talked about with so many other sports, we're worried about a second wave of uh, you know, the coronavirus coming back through. That's part of the reason why they're so insistent on getting this done. It's the same idea behind colleges trying to move up their semesters. You get this season done before that second wave hits, maybe you just have to ride it out and go with next year. I don't think anything is in concrete, nor should it be, about where they're at for next year yet. Ice, even in uh, places that don't get 100 degrees in the summer, is not great in June, usually when the Stanley Cup finals are, are happening. Uh, I'm right. sure contingencies are put in place, and let's let's face it, if you've played an outdoor game in Los Angeles, anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, and there, there aren't going to be fans in the building. They're not going to have to open the doors to let anyone in, which also lets hot air in, which is you know 80% of the problem right there. Um, this, this can be done. Um, they can make ice in just about any environment. It might not be the best in the world, but I think we have seen worse. And that, of, of all the things that are standing in the way, that seems really far down on the list. Okay. What at this point, Brian, uh, is the monkey wrench in this whole thing? Uh, well, I think there's a couple. One is that, you know, there's not an outbreak in the NHL, you know, They've said repeatedly that one positive case isn't going to necessarily shut the whole thing down. But what happens? I mean, flu bugs go around NHL locker rooms like wildfire. So what happens if something gets in into this you know seemingly controlled environment and knocks out a third of the team? Then what? Um, but I don't know if there's any way you can really game plan for that. And if that happens, we've got bigger problems than trying to fit a hockey game or a hockey playoff tournament into this. Um, so that's just one of the things that they're going to have to deal with if it comes up and you just hope and pray that it doesn't. Uh, the other thing that they're going to have to worry about is testing, uh, the availability of testing, um, the, the optics of testing healthy athletes who are among the healthier members of society to begin with. Um, you know, there's a PR angle to this as well. And if, you know, things continue to keep going down the way that they seem to be in most places, may not be as much of an issue, but if they start to go back up again and we get to August and they're having to test 24, te- 24 teams worth of players daily, you know, that might be a different thing. So there's still, there's still a lot up in the air, but I think the time is going to help, you know, make some of that stuff clearer, and that might be the only thing that helps make some of this stuff clearer. He covers your Carolina Hurricanes for canescountry.com. It's Brian LeBlanc with us uh, here. Okay, uh, without getting overly nerdy, and two yeah. inside baseball, if you will. Mm-hmm. Who are the favorites in this tournament? I have no idea. I, I, <laughs> I realize that's a cop-out. Um, the Bruins are the best team in the league. Uh, they're by no means guaranteed the top seat. Uh, the St. Louis Blues were the number one seat in the West. They're by no means guaranteed the number one seat. The, uh, the Hurricanes, for their part, are getting uh, three defensemen back that were injured and 
could possibly be getting a fourth in Brett Pesci um, later in this whole process if it drags on long enough. They they could be right there. I mean, nobody knows. One of the things about hockey playoffs is that they're always a war of attrition, and this year they're going to be even less of one than usual because all these teams are by and large healthy. So you're looking at teams that aren't necessarily beat up from an 82-game schedule. Um, you know, best on best, it could, be, it could be a lot of fun, but it also makes it really unpredictable. Hey, Brian, thank you very much, and uh, we'll catch up with you as we get a little closer to this. Sounds good to you, man. Always good to talk to you. There he goes. Brian LeBlanc, CanesCountry.com. Panthers, what are their offseason priorities? And one of them that they talked about, at least Marty Herney talked about, they addressed today. And a, a big breaking news story in the world of sports. We'll give it all to you as we wrap up things next. You can now listen to 94.3 The Game anywhere, anytime. That's a bold statement. Listen to us on your smart speaker. Simply ask Alexa or Google to stream WRHD and connect with us at home, work, or anywhere. We're on TuneIn Radio at 94.3 The Game. So take us anywhere you go. This is The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. While we were talking to Brian LeBlanc, uh, Boston Marathon has announced they will uh, not run this year. They will run a virtual marathon. Interesting. How does that Did work? Did I mention uh, I, I guess these dorks run around their apartment? I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure it's some kind of technological hookup. There's a couple of uh, runners here locally I know who have uh, tried to qualify for that or have run in it. And, I mean, so maybe we'll get one of them on and ask them. I think that's the thing to do. Did I mention Donnie Kirkpatrick's coming on tomorrow? I don't think so. I don't think so. I that's, think I talked big. about it to you off the air, but we got every... Uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick will be with us tomorrow, uh, ECU offensive coordinator, so uh, look forward to that. Uh, and look forward to having Donnie on uh, the program. Uh, always great to uh, catch up uh, with him. So uh, if there are any questions you may have for Donnie you want us to ask, I've already gotten a few uh, emailed to me. Uh, you can uh, tweet at us at 943 The Game or uh, at P-Man On Air. Uh, ben, Marty Herney was on uh, Charlotte Radio today talking about uh, the big priorities in this offseason for the Panthers. They have addressed one of them, but let's hear in Marty Herney's words what the priorities were or are. I would think veteran corner for sure. I mean, we, we've been uh, looking at the options and uh, we'll continue to, to, to do that. I think that anytime you have a chance to uh, develop depth in, in your offensive line and really both sides, but your offensive line, um, you know, the defensive tackle position is one. It, it's just, it's really being patient and trying to see when the right fits come up. All right. So that was Marty Herney uh, on uh, WFNZ at Charlotte earlier today. He said, veteran corner, look no further than the uh, the Panthers agreeing to terms with corner Eli Apple, former Saint. Ben, how do you feel about the uh, former, the Ohio State uh, Buckeye, former Giant, former Saint, uh, now in Charlotte? Oh, brother, this guy stinks! <laughs> Prepared material, Ben, I love it. Not good. Not good. Wow. Interesting stuff. Hey, big thanks today to Rich Hooten for being with us, Brian LeBlanc, and again, Donnie Kirkpatrick tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to having him on, and uh, 
A lot more to wrap up the week. For Ben Byram, I'm merely the P-Man. Check us out, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Are we on Apple Podcasts yet, Ben? All right, still waiting to get on that. But wherever you download it, download uh, the P- Patrick Johnson Show podcast. Have a great evening, everybody, and wash your hands. <laughs>